You're listening to the Long Overdue Podcast. Welcome, everyone. It's a production of the Decatur Public Library. Is it? Here in, in Decatur, Texas? In Decatur, Texas. Amazing. Wow. Hi, everybody. Yes. Hello. <laughs> so we are here today with me, Denise, and Pat. Hello. And Chris. Hello. Dawn is not in. She's not. <laughs> she is not in today. So we are here at the library. We are closed, but we are here. We're working. This is work working right yeah. now. We we've are. Been, we've been working very hard. We have been working very hard. <laughs> it's, we don't just sit around and read books all day or check out books all yeah. day. We do a lot more than that, including wonderful quality content like this podcast yes. that we're recording for your listening Edification. Edification was exactly <laughs> the word I was thinking yes. of. That is precisely the word for today's episode <laughs> in particular. So today, we're going to be talking about some publishing controversies. <gasps> I thought totally we had missed the train on the whole American Dirt thing, but then my dark Vanessa had a controversy. And I'm like, oh, yes. Yay. <laughs> we can talk about them together. We can talk about both Which these has, They have been compared. Yes. Similar issues have been brought up for both items, mm-hmm. both books. So, yeah. It's not too late. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, has everybody heard about the American Dirt controversy? Yes. Been a we have. I doubt everybody has. <laughs> really? That's surprising. You want to summarize it for us, Denise? Yes. Yes, yes I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's see. Earlier this year, I don't remember when American Dirt came out. It was February, I think. January. It was definitely this year. I believe it was January. Was it January? I think so. It seems so long ago. <laughs> oh, crazy. <laughs> not so long ago. It does seem like it's longer than that, but no, it was January 21st yeah. when the hardcover came out. Okay. So, before the book came out, it had been sent out to different people for review and, mm-hmm. you know, as, as it is done in the publishing world. And it came to the attention of an author named Miriam Gerba. And she was asked by Miss Magazine to write a review about American Dirt. So she took it with her while she went to go visit her family in Mexico. And while she read it there, she became very upset about the content of the book when she read the uh, the author's note and the letter from the publisher, she was already, you know, very skeptical about where this book was going. Um, the author's note, Janine Cummings is the author, wrote in her author's note that she wished someone slightly browner had written the novel. And <laughs> so she did a little research on Janine Cummings, and it turns out that Miss Cummins um, identified, self-identified as white up until she had to publish this book, and then she comes out with a Puerto Rican grandmother, and so now she's Lennox. Okay, she's always had a Puerto Rican grandmother, right? But <laughs> suddenly she is now identifying with that Puerto right. Rican grandmother rather than the whole rest of her family. Mm-hmm. And I think there was an interview, what, five years ago or so, where she specifically said, right. she I am white, I identify as white, my mm-hmm. upbringing and experience are that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah, just just wanted to make clear, she didn't just find this Puerto Suddenly Rican in her family tree, she was like, oh! <laughs> no shifting branches, no. Just, just looking a different direction. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So Miriam wrote a review. And it was, it was scathing. Like it was 
she wrote all of her honest, very well thought out thoughts. And Miss Magazine said that though they thought the review was great, they were not going to publish it unless Miriam would add something redeeming. Because Miriam wasn't famous enough to pen such a negative review for them to publish. And so she told them that she had nothing nice to say about this book. And so then she published it herself. And this sparked the entire controversy, really, that at least it brought it to light. <clears throat> so can you tell us a little bit? I mean, I think others of us could do this too, but can you tell us a little bit just what American Dirt is about? What's the story? Okay, I mean, yeah. It's a, it's a fiction novel. Yes. It is a fiction novel. So it's not intended to be a memoir. It's no. not pretending to be that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. The the book is about a woman named Lydia who owns a bookstore in Mexico. And she her husband was a journalist and he was brutally murdered along with a whole bunch of other people at a quinceañera and suddenly now she's a widow with a son and she is trying to get from Mexico to the United States. And basically, it's a migrant story and just a lot of stereotypes are thrown in for, I don't know, for fun. <laughs> but okay. that's pretty much what the story is about. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. the, it's, it's an immigrant story. Mm-hmm. But it's told by someone who does not have an immigrant experience. Right. And who seems to, from what I can gather, to have interpreted that experience based on some misinformation, some outdated information. Other authors' work. Other, right, right, other right, right. Latin, Latinx authors' work, which actually got brought up. Um, Latino USA did a podcast mm-hmm. where they interviewed Miriam Gerba, uh, Luis Alberto Uria, Sandra Cisneros, and Janine Cummings. Um, and so each one of them talked a little bit about their thoughts on the on American Dirt. Miriam Gerba, of course, wrote the review, and she talks about some things where that came up in the book when she was reading it that she was just like that's ridiculous <laughs> one the opening scene where everybody gets shot up at a quinceanera there's blood and barbecue sauce everywhere and she was just like i don't know any mexicans that use barbecue sauce i'm I like i heard that part that's yeah. right yes i'm like <laughs> unless we're making something american you know american cuisine barbecue sauce isn't <laughs> something that we we typically use so mm. um the other thing was that Lydia had flirted with the big cartel boss and he was, you know, tall and handsome and dark and all the Latin lover stereotypes and smooth. And so he was going to come a whisker off her feet. And so he brought her a box of conchas and she was like, which was just ridiculous. And um, when she was asked to explain mm-hmm. that, she was like, well, conchas are the most common pastries in Mexico. So she was like, imagine a rich, smooth, handsome American man coming to just woo this woman with a glazed donut. You know, <laughs> I was thinking of, of um, the wafers, sugar wafers. Uh-huh. That's what I thought of as kind of the yeah the comparable. <laughs> oh mm-hmm. yay! Thanks, you brought me three colors. Of sugar <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yay! Neapolitan or whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, mm. something like that. Yeah. Oh. You know, and it's just um, not even Oreos. <laughs> not, even, not yes. even Oreos. Not even the double stuffed Oreos. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the other things she mentioned was that after Lydia's husband was murdered um she was going through his papers and his files and some stuff like that because she was trying to find this person's name and she was going through this very archaic way of trying to find information 
And she was like, we have Google too. <laughs> I mean, you're trying to find mm-hmm. someone's name. Yeah. It's like, Google it. And so it was just an example of how she was portraying Mexico as this savage, backworld country. Like when and This is supposed to be a contemporary yes, story. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. And wow. so it's just like you could have just Googled it like in any other person who's like, I don't know who this, I know the, the person's title, you know, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you can, you can just Google it. So some of that, um, when they interviewed Luis Alberto Uria, he talks about how his wife is the one that actually read the book and he doesn't have time to really sit down and blurb people's books. And so he got an arc and, um, What's what? an arc? Oh, sorry. An advanced reader's copy. Right. <laughs> and um, his wife was the one that picked it up and started reading it. And she brought it to him and said that there was things in there that sounded very familiar. And so he was looking at what she was talking about. And there's a whole scene in her book where she talks about a boy being crushed by a garbage truck. And that was actually a scene from one of Luis Alberto Uria's nonfiction books. Mm. Like, it was something that happened, that he saw happen in his lifetime to a boy that he knew, Mm -hmm. that he had grown up with. Mm -hmm. And she had just used it as inspiration, and it sounded very much like she did that with a lot of Uria's work mm. and um when Cummins was asked about that because Latino USA did it did a really great job she was asked about you know that scene and she admits to reading everything Uria wrote mm-hmm. because that while she was researching she wrote she read everything that he wrote she did not put that together she did she did, just didn't realize. Hmm. It's like, okay. That sounds totally, totally possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, anyway, she got called out on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just her. It was also the whole publishing mm. world that got called so, out. Now, this was, this was one of... Oprah's book club. Oh, yeah, selection. Oprah. We don't want to skip that part. And she was on Oprah, right? Oprah. She uh, did. They did a Apple TV oh, something yeah, or other yeah. special. Um, and she was on there with Oprah mm-hmm. and I think a couple of other Latina authors. So on the day this book came out, Oprah posted on Oprah's book club Twitter page. Page? I guess you have a page mm-hmm. on Twitter. Okay. Our next book club selection is American Dirt by Janine Cummins at Janine Cummins. It's a heart-wrenching page-turner, and you won't be able to put it down. And this was on January 21st mm-hmm. after all this discussion, mm-hmm. all this controversy, all this had come out, and Oprah is sticking by it. Oh, yeah. And I think that's important for us to remember because yes, when we talk when about we talk the next other. book. Yes. That's yeah, different. Oprah Double down. Yeah. But she wasn't the only one that doubled down because mm-hmm. Sandra Cisnettles had blurbed the book. Mm-hmm. And when she was interviewed on Latino USA, like she doubled down hard. <laughs> and it was just super disappointing. Like mm-hmm. I was so disappointed yeah. in her. Um, she talked about. Um, so she was asked about the whole conchas scene because she, mm-hmm. you know, she read the book. And so she was asked about the whole concha scene. And she said that she didn't remember that. Like she didn't remember mm-hmm. that part because the book meant so much to her. And I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> like, well, I will say that. <laughs> I mean, I, it, know, it might not have. You're not going to remember every single her. thing that's in a book, but you'll remember the impression you got. Mm hmm. And so I'll just I'll just throw that out there. I'm not saying she should have thought differently. I mean, you know, yeah, what she thought was right or wrong. But I will say that there are a whole lot of individual scenes in books that I I 
would not <laughs> recognize if you said, oh, remember this and this? Well, no. Sorry, I don't. But if, you were if reading, it's that yeah, I was gonna disturbing, say, if it's that if you were reading disingenuous, a, a romance thriller, uh-huh. which is what American Dirt is, mm. if you were reading a romance thriller and the lead hottie shows up to try to whisk this woman away and he's all like i brought you a box of glazed donuts mm-hmm. would you remember that scene probably <laughs> you be like weirdo mm. <laughs> and uh it was compared to grapes of wrath oh yeah oh jeez. yeah it was yeah it was uh, when miriam gerba wrote her review uh she used very very colorful language but Uh (laughs) throughout the entire review uh which by the way made me fall instantly in love with miriam gerba i picked up her book mean i've read so many articles by her after this she's she's amazing (laughs) but the title of her uh review does have on there where she says you ain't you ain't steinbeck (laughs) and yeah yeah, that was uh, that was pretty funny. And so, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. Is she the one that said that that was pretty much like just schlock? Yeah, she called, it, she called it torture porn. Yeah, yeah. and a lot oh, of people wow. have because there's a lot of that. There's a lot of needless killing and just death left and right, while also being. But this is a romance, right? Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. There's well, a lot of that. So there's a just a little bit uh, from the New York Times book critic, Parul Segal. <clears throat> and this critic says, the rapturous and demented praise, in quotes, <laughs> that this book has received in the press might be owed in part to the fact that, again, quote, Tortured sentences aside, (laughs) American Dirt is enviably easy to read, and this is the part I thought was most interesting, determinedly apolitical. Hmm. The deep roots of those forced migrations are never interrogated. The American reader, read white American Mm -hmm. reader, can read without fear of uncomfortable self-reproach. So it's a sto- it's a surface story, mm-hmm. poorly written. Mm-hmm. Sounds like all right. We won't go there. The Mexican Fifty Shades. <laughs> yeah. I mean that. Mm. It, yeah. it sounds like it should have been released as a uh, mass market paperback. paperback. Yeah. yeah, and not gotten a seven figure deal. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, and yep. that's also a bit about the the publishing industry there. Um, but yeah. One of the, and Janine Cummins definitely, it definitely seems like she had white readers in mind when she wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, not just the whole concha scene, because she apparently doesn't know that conchas are extremely, I don't know what the right word is for it, but you know, the common. Mm-hmm. And, um, but she also mentions um, that the cartel is like the cartel leader. You know, he's the the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. And in Mexico, we we don't have a boogeyman. We have El Cucuy. Listen to one of our yeah. to our <laughs> our radio theater episode if you want to know more yeah. about that. But <clears throat> and so, com- you know, comparing him to the boogeyman was definitely more of a white reader will understand that. Mm-hmm. While anything else would be a little more like, oh, I got to look that up. Okay, before we talk about the whole publishing industry yes. related to this, I want to say something about, talk a little bit about the um, the barbed wire fence sort of motif that's the, that's the, everywhere the so the book cover mm-hmm. includes okay. that mm-hmm. and then there's a there janine cummins posts a photo of her new manicure in front of the book cover where she's got the blue 
the bluebirds and the barbed wire. wire on her fingernails. Mm-hmm. So, so what I thought that meant is there's a fence. Mm-hmm. That fence, crossing that fence represents the bluebird of happiness or, you know, mm-hmm. the, that's where you're headed. That's what we're doing. Right. And throughout the entire book from what I've read about it is that it, she does very much a Mexico bad, USA good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so um, there was also the whole issue of during her launch party, the centerpieces right. were pieces of wood that looked like a wall with barbed wire around it and pretty flowers decorating it. And people called that torture chic. Mm-hmm. You know, it was... Um, and when she was <coughs> when she was asked about that, she... It just never dawned on her that it would represent the border wall. Like, what? She, yeah. Okay. I... She just, I, she walked in there and I she had no see. idea about the decorations, but she was there all night and she saw it and it, it just, it wow. just never occurred to her that people would look at that and think, border wow. wall. Mm-hmm. And then there's the whole thing about her husband, the undocumented <gasps> immigrant. Oh, yes. Yeah. After all this started to really hit the fan, she was like. Her, I believe it was her publicist mm-hmm. released a statement that she was married to a formerly undocumented immigrant, which makes you think that, you know, maybe he was of Latino descent, but he's Irish. And so she also con- canceled a lot of uh, speaking engagements because she received threats mm-hmm. uh later on mcmillan admitted that no threats were ever made she mm-hmm. just didn't want to face uh yeah. the questions right because she had some explaining to do oh yeah <coughs> yep so th- this entire mess of a book um sparked dignidad literaria um which was started by david bowles um, and Miriam Gerba, and I believe there was Roberto Lovato, and a couple of other Latino authors started this movement, and they got Macmillan to agree to like meet with them, and they had a whole list of demands, and Macmillan agreed to substantially increase. Latinx representation from authors to staff at the publisher. The company agreed to write up an action plan within 90 days and meet with the representatives from the movement in 30 days. And basically they were going to try to make a more concentrated effort to publish books written by people of color, especially about subjects like the immigrant experience. Mm-hmm. Um, Janine Cummins did get a seven-figure deal for this mm-hmm. this book. Um, yeah, and that <laughs> didn't change. No. Well, I mean, she got she got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they, they can't take it back, uh, which is also kind of explains why you know they push so hard with. Um, advertising and getting the word out there and just trying mm-hmm. to get it into people's hands as much as they possibly could. Um, Stephen King provided a blurb mm-hmm. for it. I mentioned this because he comes up again. <laughs> In the next book. In the next book. Yeah. Um, but they did, you know, Macmillan, after everything happened, after they said that she received threats and when they were asked for receipts, they had no receipts. So they were like, okay, so that wasn't actually true. <laughs> like, we can't prove that she got any threats because she didn't get any threats. Uh, <laughs> she was just really uncomfortable. So they canceled speaking engagements. And, but, you know, it, it did spark some change. I guess we'll see what Macmillan mm-hmm. does after all of that. And so this was, what, February... Yeah, February 3rd, this article came out. I believe it was in the New York Times. 
where they talk about what they were willing to to start the changes they were willing to start implementing a little stats on the publishing industry uh lee and low books which is a multicultural children's mm-hmm. publisher found that 76 percent of 7,893 responses they received from employees in the industry identified as white when they conducted the survey in 2015 the number was 79 percent so they got a they got a little so hopefully some changes will will come from that so that was february and then just recently wendy ortiz wrote she actually put out a tweet mm-hmm. about how she was looking forward to a book called My Dark Vanessa coming out by Kate Elizabeth Russell. She was, of course, being very sarcastic. She's not looking forward to this book (laughs) coming out at all. But Wendy Ortiz wrote a book called Excavation back in 2014, which was published by a small press. And her book is a memoir Mm -hmm. about when she was 13 years old. And she started having a relationship, air quotes, Mm -hmm. with her adult teacher, her adult English teacher, until she was 18 years old. And My Dark Vanessa is a book about a teenage girl starting a relationship with her adult English teacher in... My Dark Vanessa is fiction. Mm-hmm. Wendy Ortiz's book is a memoir. But there's a lot of similarity subject mm-hmm. matter wise. Um, Wendy Ortiz does say that she never said that Kate Elizabeth Russell plagiarized her. Mm-hmm. Just that it was a very similar story. And the thing that upset her was this woman also got a seven-figure deal. Right. Mm -hmm. Stephen King also blurbed this book. Right. And when she tried to have her book published, she was told that no one wanted to read a memoir. No one wanted to read this book. Mm -hmm. She was a fantastic writer, but no one wanted this. Um, They didn't think it was marketable to a wide audience. And so it was like, why is this book of fiction more publishable, more acceptable Uh than her lived experience. Mm -hmm. And also a few things came up about she's a woman of color that wasn't given any kind of attention. She went with a small press and she had to do all her own publicizing and all of that. She had to book her own tour. Like <laughs> She got really no support in that mm-hmm. sense from mm-hmm. her publishers. She had to do all of that. Um, after she tweeted that, she, her, some of her fans you know, put out there how similar it was. And Kate Elizabeth Russell did email Wendy Ortiz to tell her that Excavation was one of the books that she had read Mm -hmm. during her research Mm -hmm. process as well. Um, She said that she had been writing her book for, gosh, 10 years years or something something like like that. that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that she had read Excavation. But it was just one of many books that she had read for research, which makes it all a little more suspect, I think. So that's how those two things are kind of the same. Oprah had picked My Dark Vanessa for her book club, mm-hmm. but dropped it Yeah, after some of the buzz. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of excited about this book when we first found out about it. Yeah, too, like when I read about it. 
So a little, I read a little blurb in mm-hmm. book page. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's very current with all the things. Yeah, you know, we've been hearing yeah. about with like Epstein and yeah, and other. You know, I mean, it's a thing that happens all the time, but right. it's definitely mm-hmm. come more to the forefront. Yeah, now and so it's it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's timely yes. to have a book like this, but mm-hmm. it's it's also been written before mm-hmm. and more factual. Right. Presentation. Right. And you also have to think about other books that have been written about the same subject matter, mm-hmm. like Tiger, Tiger. I don't remember who wrote Tiger, Tiger. Mm-hmm. But um, when her book came out, people either thought it was great or they thought she made the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes back to not believing a woman when she talks about her her abuse, right. her experience. Mm. And I think a lot of that had to do with also what happened with Wendy Ortiz and why her book didn't didn't get a whole lot of interest. Mm-hmm. Even though all the editors that read it praised her writing, they didn't want to publish it. They didn't want to publish this book. Mm. But yet it's so much easier to believe a fictional novel than it yeah. is to... To believe a, a memoir of an actual lived experience mm-hmm. that's also got a seven-figure deal. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Because you look like you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it, I'm, a lot of the issue here that the reason we're talking about these is is also just uh, the world of publishing mm-hmm. and publishers. Right. Right. Because it does sound like Kate Elizabeth Russell... Though she she says that she's never had that kind that experience, like she didn't as a teenager did not have a relationship with an adult man, mm-hmm. but she's she's had creepy experiences with yeah. adult men while she was a teenager, mm-hmm. but never to that extent. I I just think it's been very interesting as I've read about this whole situation. Um, more than one person has said you can't require somebody to to tell their mm-hmm. own experience if they don't feel comfortable doing that. Right. And yet some of the people who have questioned this whole thing have said, okay, Kate Elizabeth Russell, you need to tell us what you're really talking about. Mm-hmm. What's your experience? How do you know about this? Where Where did you get your story? And Right, like the balance between those like things. Fiction is right. so so hard. To well, and like this is a novel experience for right. people. Like this has never happened before. Well, no, of course not. Yeah. I mean, she's she says in I don't I don't know whether this was a a publisher interview. I'm not sure where she said it, but she said that wait. Or is this Vanessa? I get confused <laughs> as I'm reading about this. I I get confused about what the author said and about what's going on with Vanessa. Mm-hmm. Okay, hang on. Because somewhere in this, somebody read Lolita when they were 14. Mm-hmm. Was that the author? Yes. It was the author. Yes. Okay. She talks a lot, like whenever they interview right. her, she talks a lot about Lolita. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe yeah. she's trying to write <clears throat> that story from the from the point of view of the girl instead of from the point of view of the unreliable mm-hmm. adult who right you yes. know who you should not tells be the, yes. right yes <laughs> who tells the story from his perspective I, which I want to completely colors definitely that. want to go on the record as saying <laughs> Lolita is not a love story no please stop with that it is not a love story <laughs> if you think it's a love story then you really need to sit down and do a little self reflection <laughs> no <laughs> You need to you need to reflect with somebody else who has professional cr- Go credentials. Go see a therapist yeah. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it is not. And whenever anybody says that it's a love story, I'm like, I need to stop talking to you. <laughs> like suddenly, I feel unsafe. <laughs> okay, so that was a lot to go on the record. <laughs> that, that's okay. Oh man, what? <laughs> You better not say that you think Lolita is a love story. No, I, I, never, I have not read that one. Kick you out. No. <laughs> like, get out, No, I've not read that one. Um, <laughs> no, I just, I got the, the police playing oh. in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that creepy song by yeah. the police. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Thanks a lot. St- wasn't mm-hmm. Sting was a, a yes. teacher? Yes, Sting was a teacher where he was around a lot of teenage girls and he wrote a song about how hot they, he thought they were. Well, he mentions Lolita in the song. I'm sure he does. He does. Yes. It's, it's referenced in the in the song. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad we, we did a little sidestep there that's, for the that's police. That's just what my brain does, okay? It, it draws connections to everything. Well, I mean, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> okay, now that that's all all cleared up and covered. <laughs> so, so the deal with with publishing and the publishers and and such. So, let, the other book, Excavation. Mm-hmm. What would it look like if if a big publisher did pick it up and they marketed it? Do you well, think it would? How, do you think it would have been well received? Well, and contrary to what they said, since the time that it was published. In 2014, most um, published July 2014, she Wendy Ortiz has gone from different agents and so on, and she's had agents before try to uh, get it republished by a major publisher. It is still owned by the small independent publisher because it will not get picked up. Mm-hmm. So. Who knows? Who knows? Which I think is part of the problem. It is, yeah. You know? Yeah. We're taking a memoir, which we are to assume that it is a nonfiction account of what happened to her, of her trauma, Mm -hmm. that is getting just no attention, but a fictionalized account of a very similar depicted trauma is getting money thrown at it Mm -hmm. and full publisher support Mm -hmm. Stephen King blurbing it I mean you know that there was money behind that if they call on Stephen King to blurb it right Mm -hmm. and uh, has it been released yet or is it still pending release it will be released I believe sometime this month okay I know it's coming out this month if it's not out already okay so but we already have a we the, we have the previous example for instance the seven figure mm-hmm. uh, american mm-hmm. dirt publication um so yeah publishers of course their their argument is always going to be we, this is not marketable it won't sell because they want to make money mm-hmm. so in some cases i'm sure that's true like right. you know this isn't very good then nobody's going to want to buy this. Mm-hmm. Fine. Um, but in this case, it sounds like American Dirt wasn't really all that great right. at all. Yeah. Anyway, um, on top of it having a bunch of other issues. Mm-hmm. But they, they pushed it. They marketed it. Apparently, it's a big thing. Mm-hmm. They made a well, bunch of and, money off of it. And both with American Dirt and with My Dark Vanessa... I'm like, we put way too much attention on Oprah's book club. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah. Oprah's book club is bought. Yeah. I don't think Oprah actually sits and reads the books and is like, this is my next one. Mm-hmm. I think a publisher says, I think this is going to be what you, what you need to do your next book club on. Mm-hmm. She may or may not And if you've it. just given an author seven figures, you, you want. want somebody mm-hmm. like Oprah to endorse right. it so that you know you're going to sell billions of copies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that it was American Dirt and then My Dark Vanessa that Oprah was going to be like, this is our next book club book. Right. Mm -hmm. With both seven-figure advances. Yep. Now I'm wondering about Reese Witherspoon's book club. (laughs) I I at least think Reese reads. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She reads the books. You know, I don't know if she finds like her own stuff and reads it and then says, look, but I think she at least does read them. Mm-hmm. I think Oprah eventually does too. Eventually. Sure. Eventually. But it's too late by then. Yes. <laughs> After the fact. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, a lot, a lot of the, 
the bottom line is money. Who's throwing money at what mm-hmm. to make it happen, and who's gonna has the most well, and there's to the, gain from and it. And there's still a lot of gatekeeping. Yes, because you've oh got my goodness. Um, a Latin X author writing a memoir that couldn't get past the gate right to publishing yeah while white woman from the suburbs writes a novel and let's throw seven figures at her for it mm-hmm. very similar stories and again Wendy Ortiz never said that she thought she was plagiarized right um but again, like it is a very timely story. Mm-hmm. Without reading my dark Vanessa, I wouldn't be yeah. able to say, "Well, this was clearly taken from this." I've read Excavation, um, so without doing that, I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't know if anything was mm-hmm. plagiarized or not. Well, and I was I was looking at some of the material, and she said she'd been working on that book for twenty years, right? Since her live journal days. Since, yeah, since she was a teenager. <laughs> since since so. the, the live journal blogging website from back in the day when teenage girls shared way too much about their, <laughs> about their angst mm-hmm. <laughs> for the world to see. It happened right after MySpace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so um, but who knows what that looked like before i mean i guess unless you go mining her live journal if it's still out there which may not exist anymore which i would i would think that if the second anybody said plagiarism that that thing was deleted off the internet Mm -hmm. (laughs) unless someone's got well we know her twitter account's gone (laughs) yeah so you know without being able to go back to see what that looked like Mm -hmm. from back then because one of the things that janine cummins said when she was interviewed was that she had been working on this book for who knows how long. And then her father died and she deleted everything and started over Mm -hmm. and churned it out in like a month. Wow. And so it's just like, so you haven't really been working on this book for that long. You, you did your research. You read all of Uriah. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) Yes. But Really, it took you that long to write a book. So, who knows what My Dark Vanessa looked like before Mm -hmm. in those 20 years, how many changes have happened to it. Right. Once she read a little bit of this, read a little bit of that, and decided that she wanted to incorporate some of those themes, went back and changed things. You you don't know what that looked like. We don't know what that looked like. Mm Mm-hmm. Only she does. Yes. Well, I'm I'm mulling all this over because I'm I'm trying to form to kind of get a vision or formula formulate you know what mm-hmm. the solution looks like. Is it is it the publisher? A lot of this, the publishers and the people involved in that process mm-hmm. intentionally gatekeeping these things, not because they really think that it's not profitable, but because it's just something that they don't like or they don't agree with is there an element of that i think they don't understand Mm -hmm. because they're looking for something that they can relate to Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's what editors have always done is oh my gosh i could so relate to this book people are going to love it Mm -hmm. well if they're all white yes yeah they all have that kind of experience then what are they going to relate to right Hence the importance of getting a variety of experience right. and back people of different backgrounds mm-hmm. in the publishing in the process yeah. in the industry, so that they can say, "Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's and, not right." You know, as of that statistic that I read earlier, like it was seventy six percent white, mm-hmm. which is how you get a Barnes and Noble doing what they did to. Black History Month. Celebrate. Celebrate Black History Month by putting new book covers on classics that feature white characters and the book covers have people of color Mm -hmm. as those characters. Now, I will will say that they pulled those Mm -hmm. 
They did after just everybody was like tone deaf. Keep yeah. them out there. When did this happen? Last month, <laughs> Black History Month. <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, I didn't hear about it. Yeah. So these. I was these hoping maybe out. it happened like five years ago. No, no. But it happened this year. Yeah, twenty. These came out in January. Oh my gosh, instead, instead of just being like, here's all these books written by African Americans that we can highlight that we think yeah. you should read. Let's change book covers to cl- from classics. Yeah, so yeah, that's tacky I, as I'm hell. looking at a photo that's Frankenstein, Romeo and Juliet, uh-huh. Moby Dick, Wonderful Wizard of Oz, The Secret Garden, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, it, among many others. Yeah. But holy cow. And that's all they changed. So it's not like they rewrote the mm-hmm. book so that the characters were African-American. Mm-hmm. They just put a new cover on it. Yep. So Smack a lot of a lot of folks were just calling it literary blackface. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. that's all they're that's doing. That's exactly is what it is. Putting a new cover mm-hmm. on a white book. And it's like there had to have been a meeting about this, and there <laughs> somebody said this was a good idea. Yes, and there was not a single person of color to say that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Uh, and maybe there was, and maybe they there was only one, and mm-hmm. no one listened to them. But still, like, there had to have been yeah. at least one meeting about this. Right. <laughs> but probably multiple meetings. <laughs> I mean, it's equally disappointing that there wasn't a larger majority of white people that said, hey, this is stupid. Oh, yeah. And a bad idea. Oh, yeah. Don't yeah. do this. Don't do that. That's bad. You know? <laughs> but yes, that, that more diversity would mm-hmm. would definitely change things like that. Yeah. So when the whole, like, American Dirt thing happened and they did not lead it, Dignidad Literaria was trying to get their um, meeting with Flatiron and Macmillan. Lauren Aratani spoke with an employee that was attending the press conference who wished to remain anonymous for fear of professional repercussions. Said that as a child of immigrants from Central America, they felt skeptical about the book months before its release. It's publicity and marketing at a time when there are children being kidnapped, children being detained, children dying. It's too sensitive of a topic to get away with. It looks like this white woman wrote about a border crossing as a thriller to a very specific white audience. We've been hearing about diversity and inclusion over and over and not seeing any change. Another employee said, I don't feel my opinions would be valued. If I went straight to Flatiron offices and said, hey, I don't know if this book is a good idea, it's not going to matter. And I think that's really kind of what it comes down to, that Mm -hmm. even when there are people of color, African-American people, LGBTQ people that... They go and they say, this is a bad idea. This is a bad book. This mm-hmm. is going to cause, this is bad representation. Mm-hmm. That it, it doesn't matter. They're not listened to anyway. So I think there's a, that yes, the first step would be to have more diversity in the staff, published editors from receptionists to who actually makes the decisions about what books to be, that are going to be published. Mm-hmm. But until that becomes a little more equal in the numbers, that's what's going to happen. You're going to have someone show up and be like, this is bad. Don't publish this. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be like, but we just paid this woman seven figures and it's going to make us some money. So, Well, you shouldn't have. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. But at that point, these two ladies already got their check. Hmm. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate what you said, Chris, about being disappointed that even if there weren't people of color in the room, there should have been people not of color who stood up and said, this is a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. not do this. Mm-hmm. Because I guess with the industry 76% white, mm-hmm. it's going to take somebody white Standing right. up and saying, "Look, we've got we've got to make changes, and the changes have to include more people not like us sitting around the table here, not us." Right, right. <laughs> but uh, you know, in in that in a publisher's in meeting, that theoretical <laughs> publisher's meeting where they're all white, um, and I'm not sure what to think about that. But I think 
that's what it's got. It's that's where it's got to start because those are the people who have power right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So they've got to be the ones to to stand up and make changes and be willing to give up some of their power. Right. That, to say we yeah. need other people. Hmm. To and make one of, decisions. One of the things that comes up a lot, not just with these two books, but just publishing people of color own voice books, any of that, is that there's a lot of pressure on a person, an author of color or an author with disabilities or an author that's, you know, writing about their own experiences, um, the whole gamut of different diversities mm-hmm. that the pressure is on them to have a successful book mm-hmm. because if not when someone else in that same right diversity tries to go and have a book published ooh well we published a book by a latina author and it didn't do well so we're not doing that mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. yeah and yet how many terrible oh books by middle-aged to older white men are there that just get published out like all the bad science fiction we were talking about <laughs> yeah, we were talking about bad science fiction earlier weren't we you know there's not that pressure of my book has to succeed or right. else chris isn't going to be able to get his book published because yeah. someone's going to be like no we already tried that we tried that and that didn't work that made us zero dollars so there's a lot of that too Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of pressure on the few that do get published that they have to be successful or that that gate just gets closed again i i think there's so much of a double standard though because if you do have a successful for example latino author Mm -hmm. the next the next time someone brings a book by a latino author the publishers are going to say oh we did that We've we've saturated the market. We're not ready for another <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> there's that too. Yes. So there's it's just you got to look so, at so many ways. There really of is closing a market. closing that door. The, yeah, exactly. And the market really, we think that the only books we read are the ones about people just like us, because the only way we learn about people of different experiences. Mm-hmm is to get to know those people, to be part of mm-hmm. of their lives, to be, you know, to be in relationship. Right. And one of the ways that we can do that is by reading about their authentic mm-hmm. experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well and also why is it that people of color are expected to just pick up a book about a white character and we're supposed to relate to it. that. Yeah. Relate to their experience. Mm-hmm. And yet it's inconceivable that a white person could read a book by a person of color where the main character is a person of color and not relate to their experience so, at all? So this is, this is something that my, my background with children's literature just drives me nuts. When, when parents, when teachers mm-hmm. will say to me, oh, I'm, I'm looking for books for this boy, and that's a girl book. Right. Well, you know yes. what? There are girl books that are about girly things. Yeah, there are. But there are also books mm-hmm. about human experience that feature female protagonists. Mm-hmm that anybody who reads and enjoys a good story is going to love. Right. Mm-hmm. So yes. it's it's that same argument mm-hmm. with color. Yeah. Or with disability. Well, and, or and gender with definitely comes gender into that play as well. Identity. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's 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 the same thing. So we it's also we how talk about women Yeah. Women's oh, yeah. fiction is chick lit. Uh. And yet all white guys are literary fiction, mm-hmm. and I love literary fiction. Mm, I when hate it's- literary fiction. It's too serious. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Too many sad endings. <laughs> yeah. Well, People don't you, always live happily ever. That's you, the definition of literary fiction. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. <laughs> These and characters don't live happily ever. If you've never listened to our podcast before, you're going to know <laughs> this is the time to find out that sad, depressing books that's my jam. <laughs> Pat likes a happy ending. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, but, I do. you know, yeah. 
Well, so when in children's literature, one of the things we talk talk about when we're choosing books for a classroom to mm-hmm. read or we're choosing books for a library, we want to make sure that there are the the mirror books, so the mm-hmm. ones that reflect the experience of the children in the community, but then there are also the window books, mm-hmm. which let them look beyond their experience to see how other people live. And mm-hmm. so what they'll see is some differences, yes. but they will also see common experiences that can bring us together. Mm-hmm. And kind of the third area that some people have started adding is the sliding glass door, which which is that book that that is about someone with a different background, mm-hmm. a different ethnicity, a different life experience, but that allows you to open that door that, that separates mm-hmm. you and to walk in and live their experience as yes. you read that book. Mm-hmm. Cool. And so it's so well written mm-hmm. that you you start to un- even though you didn't live it, you start to understand mm-hmm. something about that different life experience of yeah. that those characters. And so all of you know all of those things are important, and you have to have all of those things. And if you don't, you're mm-hmm. not giving people a fair shake to see yeah. the world. Because yeah. it might it probably sounds really cliche, but at the end of it all, it's all part of the whole experience of, uh, you know, yeah, the whole human experience. Yeah. So to think that, you know, to think that you can't read something Mm -hmm. completely different from your own experience and background Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. not in some way identify Mm -hmm. with that. Or enjoy. Or enjoy it. Or learn from. Or learn something new. Yeah. 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 To think that that's not not possible or not, or somebody doesn't care to do that. Well, and it all comes down still to the publishing industry Mm -hmm. because there are more books about talking animals than there are about people of color. Wow. African-American, Latino, Native American. Mm. Like, there are more books about animals, talking animals, than there are about people of color. Mm. And the vast majority are about white children. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, it, it's interesting because when you're looking at children's literature, there was a period in the later 70s mm-hmm. into the 80s, even early 90s, mm-hmm. where you were seeing changes. And then publishing suddenly, I mean, it didn't, it wasn't like suddenly we're making money, this right. is a business, because it had always been a business. Right. But there was room to give and mm-hmm. there was room to make mistakes and there was room to be, take risks. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it was such a big business that there's no longer room to take risks or so right. it's seen. All we're about is the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And if we can, you know, pay somebody seven figures and, and quadruple our investment, whatever, whatever they look for. Yeah. <laughs> Then that's what we're going to do, and if we if if we can't do that, then we're not going to waste our time and resources mm-hmm. on something that's not going to return that much right. on our investment. And and it's more like Moneyball, you know, right. than real than real literature and publishing. Mm-hmm. It it's all about the bottom line. It's really sad. Yep. Time to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what some will happen at least Mm -hmm. on some level with these books is that yeah at least one publisher is listening Mm -hmm. whether or not they'll actually follow through that's a whole different thing they might just be waiting for this to blow over i mean yeah i think there's still 60 days left (laughs) to go (laughs) before we find out but there's just so many different factors, but yeah. really it all comes down to the publishing industry mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. getting books out there. And no, I don't think that any author needs to explain any of their life experience. Mm-hmm. I think the own voices label mm-hmm. is a choice. Mm-hmm. If you write a book about your own experience and you want to say this is an own voice novel, then that is up mm-hmm. to the author. And I don't think that people need to be explaining themselves. I think that happens a lot because we're so connected. P- 
people can tweet now at their mm-hmm. favorite author or right. tag them on Instagram or whatever and expect a reply. Mm-hmm. Not just like, oh, I wanted to tell you about this. Right. Maybe you'll see it. There's an actual expectation mm-hmm. that they will not only see it, but reply back to you. Yeah. Like, just because they're they're out there and mm-hmm. accessible. Mm-hmm. Interesting times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Mentioned a few books. Um, you said Excavation. Right. Good. Excavation by Wendy Ortiz. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that makes that book brilliant is she wrote it in such a way that she really puts you in there as a teenager like she recalls herself very well as a teenager um from what i've read in interviews of her before in the past Mm -hmm. as a lot of authors are they're write journals Mm -hmm. and so she went back to her old journals to (laughs) to Mm -hmm. to look over things and be like oh yeah (laughs) Hmm. I did say that as a teenager. So it ended up being very useful to have around. Yeah, I think I got rid of all my old oh. journals. Wow. They weren't very good. It was they, <laughs> well, she didn't say they were very good, but they definitely were like that. That is exactly what it was like to be a 13-year-old girl who thought she was in love oh. with her grown man teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and she does a really good job of of that mm-hmm. like she doesn't use the word victim or perpetrator mm-hmm. because when she was a teenager those were not words she used when she described her relationship mm-hmm. and so it's frustrating because you're like oh my gosh this isn't love but right right when she was 13 to 18 it was That's, she didn't yeah. know any better mm-hmm. and he used that to take advantage. Mm-hmm. It is a very intense book. Mm-hmm. And and that, there's a lot of, of that where you're just, you want to shake her, you want to rescue her. Mm-hmm. You hope that he gets arrested and suffers some consequences in prison. Yeah. But, you know. That's yeah. what it's like when you read a true book about stuff. Like yeah. That. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's you you want to. Yeah. But. That's but that, but that's the brilliance of yeah. her book is that at the end you're like that mm-hmm. that must have been what it was like as a teenager to be in that situation mm-hmm. wow. and if you've been a teenager in that situation then you can you know identify with that mm-hmm. and if you've never been in that situation then you learn from it right so I'm just thinking that and then any other recommendations for things you can read. Miriam Garba's book, of, Mean. Read it. There you go. I'm There's one. She's hilarious. And uh, <laughs> and I don't always. I don't think I always say this, but Mean, uh, by the way, is also pretty intense. Like I, she is hilarious, but it's it's an intense book. It's mean. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's mean, right? She is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going by the title. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, so that's so that's recommended. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely anything by Luis Alberto Uria. We do have several of those mm-hmm. of his books here. Right on. Just don't use them to write your own. <laughs> yes. Book of <laughs> yes. book of fiction. Uh, but I'm I'm I am a proponent of you know if there's something like this out there like American Dirt. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like you can you can just take our word for it. <laughs> but you can also read it yourself. You can and also make read your it yourself. Judgment. Yes. And just, you know, I'm I'm probably not going to read it after all our discussion <laughs> and everything. But uh but I, you know, I don't think that we should say like, oh, well, nobody should read this book now. Yeah. Because of that. I mean, you should you should read it and then you can form your own disappointed right. right. Uh, <laughs> you know, you you can form your own pattern of disappointment. <laughs> um you know, I think mm-hmm. I think it's important to to be familiar with the things that we mm-hmm. we might not like or disagree with, right? Just so we can make an informed and right an educated yeah. review or judgment yeah. or whatever. Yes. So, 
So we're not saying like nobody should ever read these books. <laughs> Throw it in yeah, the fire. The library is not advocating <laughs> checking your brain at the door. We no. want you to use it. Yeah. I don't. I don't always bring that up, but mm-hmm. but I I believe in that. Sure. Yeah. But you should also check out these other recommendations. Yes. Be well rounded. Yes. <laughs> yes. If you're gonna read a bad a bad book about you know something like that, then at least pick up something better. Yeah. <laughs> And then just and then then you can draw the comparison. Yeah, yeah. Right on. All right. Anything else about that? No. All right. Well, that was a good discussion. Yeah, I think so. Thank you all for listening. Yeah. Thank you, Denise, for being well informed on all yeah. this. We lo- we looked at some of this stuff, but uh, <laughs> but you were kind of our, our resident expert. Yeah, this I've been time around. I've been following the yeah. American Dirt thing from yeah. the beginning, mm-hmm. from way back. Yeah, and I think I've said this before, but in one of our previous episodes, where we were talking about like what we were looking forward to mm-hmm. in the next year. Like I was looking at book page, and it had a little blurb there, and I was like, "Oh, this book sounds awful," <laughs> and then just moved <laughs> on, and then and then like shortly after that, it was like, "Oh." I was right. It is awful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Well, thanks everyone for listening to the long overdue podcast. Be well.